This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life. Only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland. And today we have a childhood friend of mine, somebody I'm fired up to get to talk to and connect back with as Laura Ionello. How you doing, Laura? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Brett. Absolutely. It's good to be with you because uh, we talked about this before your nice little run here. But uh, for those of you that don't know who Laura is, she is the head golf coach for the Women's University of Arizona golf team, and they are the newest NCAA champions. How does that sound? Um, that sounds perfect and sounds about correct. <laughs> exactly. Well, we'll dive into all that stuff, Laura, obviously in a little bit. But uh, for those people that don't know who you are, why don't you maybe you know go back as far as you want or really what's, what's really defined the woman you are today and, and what's helped with that success you've had over your lifetime? Well, yeah, I've, I've you know, been coached at University of Arizona now for 11 years. It's my alma mater. I played here from, you know, 1998 to 2003. And I mean, really, my life all started in a small town in central Illinois with, you know, with buddies like Brett. And we were fortunate to be members of a little private club and played a lot of golf. And I loved golf from the moment that I picked it up. And Really, golf has given me everything in my life. It's given me, you know, good spirit, sportsmanship, camaraderie, and given me opportunities to, you know, play and get a scholarship at a university, continue my education when I really didn't even like school that much. But at least I always had golf to keep me going. I always had that passion and and was able to play professionally, um, played on the LPGA Tour, lived out that dream and, you know, kind of took a step back and realized it it wasn't what made me happy and you know was able to stay in golf and started my coaching career and now I can honestly say that giving back to others and helping them live out their dreams like I was able to it's it's very rewarding and that's kind of my my background absolutely so when do you remember when you started playing like how old were you when you started playing golf uh, I started my father uh, got me started probably when I was around five or six years old. Can't really remember, but I was lucky. I had a little younger brother, Matt, who uh, my dad would take both of us out. And it was just kind of something to do in, in the summertime, in the afternoons when mom probably needed a break. <laughs> yeah. Jerry, take the kids golfing, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. And so you guys, I remember obviously you, you would come over and play with, you know, Derek and, and Blake and I, and, and, and here was Laura and, you know, uh, obviously they get the male, the female thing, but here you were like, you were different. Right. And, and I re literally, I can remember 
the first time for some reason we were playing golf and we were on hole number one at Matt Tune Country Club. And I remember you were like hitting it as far as us. And I'm like, all right, this, this girl's different, right? There's something about her that's different. And so what do you think that drive came from? Not literally your drive, but the drive to be good in golf. Like what was it that, that you had that extra gear that most of us maybe not have? You know, I was very fortunate where I had playing buddies like you and um, the Matt Toon Country Club where we grew up had a great little junior golf program. And, and also I had, you know, two other older females, you know, Aaron and, and Holly and I had, pe- I had people to look up to. And I think the fact that I played with the boys, I guess you could say, I knew I had to be tougher. I couldn't make excuses of why I couldn't keep up and hit the ball far, but it was I just, I love to compete. I was always a tomboy. I mean, anybody that would knew me growing up, I was not into the princesses, the girly girl stuff, cheerleading, gymnastics. I was into the basketball, football, baseball, softball. And so I think when I, when I found my home at Mattoon Country Club and I, I found friends that also played and they wanted to play with me because I could kind of play at their level, like you and, and Blake and, and, and Derek, it was, it really, I think even inspired me to be better and to do more for sure. And I think there there's an extra gear, right? Because it wasn't probably just show up and go play. I mean, what was it like either back then, but even today and, and think about it, not even from the sports uh, mindset, but even into the business room, you know, your husband's successful in his own, in his own right with what he's doing for seat geek and all that kind of stuff. And so when you think about it from that lens, I mean, what have you found for yourself and for others that they're doing to be different, right? To be a student of their game. I, I think you, you need to aspire, always aspire to be more. And I think one of the best things I could have done when I was growing up is my, my father let me go and see the best and do what they were doing at the best level they could. I went to LPGA events. We went to PGA Tour events. And we got to, you know, I think my dad was so instrumental in making sure that I didn't set my my goals too low and that I needed to really focus on what is what that I wanted to do. Was it play professional golf or just if you're going to play any sport, you know, you really need to strive to be the best that you can be. Don't really half-ass it, you know? So I think that and in, in now coaching has also given me a perspective. If you want something in life, you have to go out and you have to earn it and you have to do everything you can to gain respect and respect yourself by the effort you put out. That to me is is really important. So I, I was fascinated by this and doing my research, which was weird, you know, when you research somebody you grew up with. But um, doing my research on you, I, I love this part because we like tomorrow, for example, I'm taking uh, my business partner Tim and I and our other leaders of our executive team. We do a offsite retreat once a quarter. Right. And so I'm, I'm a very big believer in those. I think you got to do them. You got to have the team together. Things happen when we get together and we slow down. Right. And I saw something that you guys went on a retreat. When I say you guys, the whole team, right. I'm assuming it was the, 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 the team, like the actual golfers and then the coaching staff. So maybe give us a lay of lane of that. But, but you guys talked about something and, and you came out with a saying, do you want to say that saying or should I say it? <laughs> Please go for it. If you have it in front of you, <laughs> I might jumble. I got it. It says, Exactly. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And that came from one of your retreats. And I was, I loved that. Right. And so walk us through that. Walk our listeners again, sports mind, but also in the boardroom when they got their executives and they can go on their retreats. What was that like? And how did you come up with that? We have, um, I will say in my 11 years of coaching, I think we've done three retreats total. So it's always been when we've had new players coming in. I knew the team dynamic was going to be a little bit different or challenging. And it's crazy because every year that we've done a team retreat has been 
my best coaching years. I can look at my resume and it's funny. I, I just was thinking about a couple of weeks ago how every time we did a team retreat, there was something special that always happened or that team was able to gel together. So really it's, you know, when you have a group of young females, 18 to 22 or, you know, businessmen, whatever, I think it's so important that they get to know each other on a different level besides just their sport or their work environment. So really I, my assistant, Derek Radley and I, we kind of just came together and we, you know, did a lot of activities for these young women to get to know each other, to get their, to get their, we had vision boards where, you know, what do these women aspire to be after college, after golf or with golf, you know, really just, just to get to know you as a human being and to know that we all deserve to be treated kindly. And even though if we may not like one another, cause you're not going to like everybody, but you will respect each other. And so we did a lot of team building activities where, I mean, you did, we did ropes courses. We've done activities where the, the ladies were blindfolded and they needed to trust one another. And then we did um, impromptu speeches where the girls had to be uncomfortable because really, you know, in the game of golf, it's all about, you know, playing under pressure and making sure that you become comfortable under pressure. So it's, you know, I think all of those team building activities by the end of the week, you know, really Coach D and I, we always do a t-shirt or a poster or something to remind the ladies of the retreat of what's the purpose. And it's to get to want to know, to gain respect, to have similar goals and to reach those goals. So uh, we had the ladies get together and they built a t-shirt, you know, with all of their country flags. We've got a kind of a motley crew, I guess you could say of ladies, ladies from the United States and ladies from Asia and, and Europe so many different cultures and, and backgrounds and, and family life and traditions. And so they were the ones that came up with that slogan. And it's amazing how it really stuck this whole year. Yeah. Well, I thought it was just a gig. I talk about you got to slow down to speed up all the time. And I think to hear that, again, to repeat it, if you want to go fast, go alone, right? And if you want to go far, go together. And and that's exactly what I would say to all of our listeners, right? That if you have a team whether it's a sport team or your work team, whatever it may be. But if you can just get off site, right, go away from the office, build a relationship. So then when you are back in the boardroom or back on the golf course, right, that you can, you've been, you've been through a lot together, right? You can trust each other. You re, like, to your point, you respect each other uh, and, and, and have great conversations and not just be a yes man or a yes woman, but build something really, really special. So, um, I know that you talk about the the importance of high expectations and expecting to succeed. So how do you do that? How do you expect to succeed in life? Well, you really, I, I try to praise my players and say, and let them know that you really only can expect success on yourself if you've put in the work. Because if you put in the work, then and if you put in the discipline, then you know at the end of the day, you can leave the golf course, knowing that you left it all out there and that you were prepared. Now, if you didn't, if you didn't put everything into it, you really, your expectations shouldn't be to reach your goal. Your expectations should, it's just all about being honest with yourself, being honest with, and I think on the golf course, one of the most important things, because it is such a mental sport where you're in your own head for, you know, four to five hours. And so I always tell my players every day before they go out, Every round, I say, okay, I want you to have one small goal, one small goal, and that can be to stay nourished, stay hydrated. That can be to have positive self-talk the whole day. I don't care what it is, but that way you can 
focus on that one goal and make it small or make it big. It's up to you. But expectations really, they help set the tone for your work ethic and whether or not you deserve to have that high expectation. So I'm really an honest person and an honest coach and letting the ladies know that you're the only one that can really disappoint yourself. Because I said, as coaches, we have no control. All we can do is help you to set up the tools for success and help you get there. But at the end of the day, it is you. You have full control on the on what you want to achieve. And so if you if you know you are lazy, if you know you don't put in the effort, then do you really expect or should you expect the success? And so I, I just try to keep it black and white. You know, successful people do the right thing. They work hard. And granted sometimes lazy people do get success but it doesn't last long you know i think it's it's all about the the mentality you put into it well it's about habits right i mean i think the successful people it's it's a old thing the common denominator common denominator of success if you if you google that it's a great piece if you've never read it laura i would recommend it just google the common denominator of success and it talks about the the successful people build the habits um that unsuccessful people aren't willing to do Right. It's not that they like to do it, but they just do it. Right. You still get up. Doesn't mean, you know, when we were kids and we were going out and hitting 500 golf balls a day and playing 50 holes in a day. Not that every day you wanted to do it, but you wanted to be better. Right. And it's the same thing in the business world. I want to be a student in the game. That's why I read and meditate and, and journal and do all those things because we want to go to that next step. So what what advice do you have for people that are that are dealing with maybe some disappointment or adversity? How do, how do we battle through that? <laughs> Funny how you ask that. You know, it's I will say this year we won the national championship and this was the most difficult, personally difficult year I've had in my life. I had one of my best players turn pro, texted me on Christmas Day, and then I've had another player who wanted to leave because she was you know, battling another issue at home. And I mean, this year it was like, man, I just got punched one day to the next. And I almost to the point I got tested, you know, and that is to be honest with you where um, my faith came uh, to be a big part of this year and also just letting go and being okay with the results. As long as I felt that no matter what I was doing the right things, I was helping these young women and their lives because as coaching you know sure we we're we're valued on our performance our success the the scores all that stuff but you know i think when you're mentoring young people it's so important to also make sure that you're you're helping them learn life lessons and so this year more than ever you know in times of adversity you just have to really know that what you believe in is important and it's going to help others and so you just keep your head down and you keep, you know, trudging through the mud, I guess you could say, because at the end of the day, you you can look back at those hard times. And even though maybe like maybe this year we wouldn't have won, maybe this year we would have had the a really disappointing end of the year. But I didn't care. I finally was at that point where I had gone through some really hard times, but yeah, I let it go. I kept doing the very best things that I knew that I could do to help my players. And eventually, I think they saw that through the adversity, I wasn't going to give up. And you, I just, you keep going, you keep going because there's always going to be, you know, the sun's always going to come up out of the dark. And I think that 
is what my players truly appreciated because they knew Coach Derek and I were going through some really tough times with having one of our players turn pro and a lot of lot of different things, you know, that really was going to impact our team badly. But it's it's all about just hanging in there because if you start quitting in life, if you start quitting, it starts to get easier and easier to quit. It really does. And so I think that is the mentality you have to have when things get really tough. Which is easier said than done, right? I mean, it's, I'm sure you don't like getting that text message. You're trying to enjoy family Christmas and all that kind of stuff. But you, you do have to uh, somehow learn in that moment to put that thing in a box and trust the process and trust what you're doing, right? Because to go back to your your point, which I love, uh, have a goal, one goal, right? Stay new, Stay nourished, stay whatever. Because I didn't hear in there, my goal was to go out and shoot a 67 or my goal was to not three putt or it was, it's nothing like that, right? The goal is to go out and stay focused on something you can control. Is that fair? Yeah. And I think that's the big deal, right? Something we can control. So when you think about that and you've seen some of the best golfers ever, right? And you've been around uh, a lot of successful people in your life, even in the business world. And so when you think about that, could you boil it down to maybe one or two things that you see people do? day in, day out that create success in your life? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think number one, it's, it's all about discipline. You know, I think you have to be disciplined in staying the course, um, building those healthy habits to, you know, if it's getting up early and getting a workout in, or if it's getting up earlier and, and doing those emails before, you know, your family wakes up, it's discipline for sure. And then I think, also, another big thing, a part of success is you have to trust others. You have to be able to let your guard down and trust others to help you because there's no one that I know who has gotten to the success that they are didn't have help somewhere along the way. And I think somewhere, somehow you have to be able to learn to trust other people and be able to have other people to depend on because we all need that at all times in our life, if it's family or business. So what did you, when you talk about that, let's, let's go back into your past a little bit here. And what, I mean, your parents were successful growing up. They had, you know, successful businesses. What did you learn about success from them? Um, well, you know, it's my, my father is, you know, a very successful restaurateur and, and my mother, um, really, she worked in our family business and she was my father's, really, she's my father's backbone and she was so instrumental in in having a healthy family environment but my father he was a risk taker he still is to this day he's you know i think that's very important is is that sometimes in life it's okay to take a risk if you know the reward can be grand but but again it's you know i'm i know my my parents have worked really really hard i i think they've also always pushed me to reach a, a different level but it's, I think it's it's good to have a, a family balance where you know also your parents trust each other. They have their back and have core family values that are, are so important. Yeah. So now let's turn the page and talk about you in 2000, you all, uh, your team, you won the national championship, right? As a player, you fast forward now 18 years later you win the national championship again. Walk us through that. How, what was that like as a player and as a coach to be on the biggest stage in the collegiate golf deal and win it? What was it like as a player and as a coach? Well, I don't know if you remember, but back in 2000, I actually didn't play. I, that, was, that was the year that I had redshirted 
because the University of Arizona, the women's golf team, we were, um, at that time, we were always ranked in the top three. We were definitely one of the strongest teams in the country year in and year out. But that's also one of the reasons why I chose Arizona, because I knew I was going to be pushed. I wasn't going to walk into that university and be the best player. And I can remember I... um, I was a part of that team, you know, I was on that team, but I didn't get to travel and play in that national championship. But I was very proud of how my teammates uh, brought that trophy home. And I remember when my team won in 2000, that motivated me so much because I saw how amazing winning a national championship was that that very same summer I went out and got uh, runner up at the U.S. Women's Amateur, uh, beat Lorena Ochoa in a match there. and um, then made the 2001 Curtis Cup team. And really when the, my team won the 2000 National Championship and the fact that I was on the team but not a part of the team sparked something in me that I was like, I'm going to be on that team next time we win, you know, stuff like that. But uh, And then I think, you know, now as a coach, it's it's something so different because as a coach, just like kind of a parent, you want what's best for your children or your players. And so I think for me to be a part of these young women's lives, to bring a dream come true, to help them see this dream come true for them and and helping them and, and being a piece of the puzzle of why it all came together and helping lead them to be more mature, to respect one another, to work together as a team unit. It's almost, it's almost more gratifying as a player because as a coach, you know, you've helped others. And to me, I think that's what it's all about in this life is is helping others and, and really just being a good person and influencing others to do good. I got to tell you, I think my favorite part was on Facebook when uh, your girls were watching uh, you on the Golf Channel. You probably know which part I'm talking about here, but you said something. About, this is before you guys won it, but you said something like, we got to get these girls in talking about your golf team, the ladies on the golf team. We got to get these girls in and get them fed. And your girls are like, mommy's talking about me. Like, it was just awesome to see that. I'm sure they had a blast and seeing mommy on television, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was pretty amazing. I said, I said, I was talking about my team and I said, cause it was just after we won the playoff right before the 36 whole day. So I said, we got to get these girls in bed and I got to get them fed. And so my, my two little ones are like, mommy's talking about us. Time for bed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's all about them. It's all about but that was probably true. They needed to get to bed and get fed as well. So, uh, so talk to us about that putt, right? I mean, that putt, uh, fill our listeners in the kind of the moment, uh, of where it was, you got to make this putt. I, and I'm drawing a blank on the, the golfer's name right now, but, um, you got to make the putt to go into the next round. Walk us through that. Yeah. We, um, that fourth round of stroke play, we had a 14 shot cushion to make the cut, which is a big cushion in team golf. And of course, by the fifth hole, our cushion was gone. My, my team was buckling under the pressure without a doubt. So I, I knew um, coming down to that, that last hole, we were, we were out of the cut line for the top eight by, I think it was two shots. And so Bianca, who is um, my superstar player from the Philippines, Bianca Pagdanganan, she She's special. And I remember like when we had three holes left, she kept asking me, coach, how are we doing? Like, how's the team? And she also, you have to realize she was in it for the individual. She was battling for the individual championship as well. She was neck and neck with those leaders. And one thing that stands out still to me this day is that Bianca didn't ask me, coach, how do I stand? 
She said, where do we stand? Meaning the team, because it meant more to her that our team continued on in the championship than if she won the individual, which is in this world of millennials, it's a huge deal because so many kids nowadays are so wired differently to only focus on me, me, me themselves that. So I told Bianca, I said, remember with three holes to play, I said, B, I said, you just focus on what you can control. And I said, if you play the best golf that you can, the next three holes, I said, good things are going to happen. So I said, don't worry about anything. I said, you just focus on the best that you can do at the time. Because I didn't want her to know we were two shots. Because you don't, you don't know how certain people handle pressure. You know, so, you, you know, sometimes you do, but I didn't want to say, oh, you're two shots off of the individual lead and we're two shots out with the team lead. So I just said, just focus on what you can do now, do the best you can. And then boom, she gets to the 18th hole. I just found out one of our players had three putted the par five for a, for a par. So that kind of put us in a hole. So I was like, okay, so Bianca needs to eagle. She has about a 30 foot breaking left or right, probably a two foot left or right breaking putt downhill. And really, you know, I was hoping just just get it close, make make birdie, and then we'll see if the other teams kind of fumble coming in. But I knew for sure if she made it, we'd probably have a really good chance. And Bianca, one of the coolest things that not many people know about Bianca is her father um, is in the Philippines, and he was Facebooking me, texting me messages throughout the tournament, and he had written this prayer for her because she was in the in the lead and this prayer for her was all about not about winning the tournament not focusing on her but for her to lead the team through being confident and calm and knowing that the lord was going to be with her on the golf course and for her to stay in the moment and to focus that of all the good she can do for others meaning her teammates and this i I really struggled with sharing that prayer with her because really her father had sent it to me, but it touched me in such a way that I felt I had to share it with her. And so that morning before she even teed off, you know, I, I asked her if I could read the prayer to her and we did, and we prayed together before she went out that day. And so when that Eagle putt went in, Brett, I, I got so emotional. I started crying immediately because it was like, it was a gift. It was a it was a gift, and her father had had so many issues. He had struggled. He'd struggled with a heart attack in January. I mean, he had um, been in an, a bad accident at his work in in October. So it had been a tough year for her for her family, and her her father had never just never once was all about his daughter and more about like Bianca. You know, be good for others, do well through him, our Lord through help others, and do your best for this team today. And boom, she makes an eagle putt for us. No, it was it's insane. That gives me chills. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, of course. So what, what makes your program different? I mean, I think that, you know, there's lots of great programs, right? But what makes your program different? Well, I think, you know, one of the best parts about University of Arizona is the fact that you, you know, I think there's there's a loyalty there. I think since I've played at the University of Arizona and I'm now coaching, I think it's it's really reassuring for players to know that they're coming to a school that their coaching staff, Coach Derek Bradley and myself, we don't just care about your golf score. We actually genuinely care about you as a person. We want to see you develop. And I don't care if it's playing as a professional golfer or if it's becoming the next CEO of a visionary wealth advisors. You know, I, I want I want these young women to know that they're always going to have a support system if it's whatever they do in life. And we're always going to be their biggest cheerleaders, you know. 
golf in this day and age too, it's such a, a great asset in, in business or whatever it is that you do in life because it's a great way to communicate and meet people. And, and the University of Arizona, I feel one thing that you can get at the U of A is you're kind of leaving a family to go to a university and you're joining a family. And I think that's one thing that I'm very proud of being able to build is that our team is a good culture. We all care about one another. We have strong values in sportsmanship and, and values and really just, I think, trying to be together to create something really special. But along the side of building strong skills, of continuing your, your game and getting better and and learning new skills, if it's in short game or, or putting. And there's really, there's so many wonderful coaches out there. I really don't think I could say that University of Arizona is just that much better than any other place, but I do promise my recruits that they will have a good experience because that is what it's about. It's college, you know, it's supposed to be the best time of your life. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> and you get yeah. to play some golf while you're doing it. So that's amazing. Um, yeah, and I think that what you said there is culture. I mean, it, it is, uh, again, that business world. We talk about culture all the time. I mean, heck, tomorrow in our retreat, culture will be a, a common theme we keep going back to. So uh, if you can have that family-like uh, atmosphere, uh, it's a big deal, especially for these kids coming in and, like you said, leaving home for the first time. I mean, it's a big deal. So talk to us about the fears you've put in your mind. If, if anybody's ever listened to this podcast, they know where this is going. But the fears you've put in your mind, how many of them have actually ever blown up to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be? <laughs> the fears. Oh, I I have fear every day. I do. And the, the fear of the unknown. Are we are we gonna are we gonna get this top recruit? Are we gonna be able to get into the tournament schedule that we want? Um, am I gonna be able to be two places at once because my kids have my family has a demand and then I need to be somewhere for work. But you know, I think the biggest thing you can do is just take one day at a time. Uh one task at a time is the most important thing for me is just not getting ahead of myself, you know, and and one of the great things I think that in business or in, in sports, whatever, is you have control of who you surround yourself with. And that's one thing I think as I've aged, I've gotten a little older, is that I don't deal with negativity. I don't deal with negative people. I won't have it in my life. Um, I need people to uplift me and to calm my fears because really I feel like if you surround yourself with negative people, that escalates fear because they're causing you stress in some way. And so that to me is, is so important. But fear is always going to be there. But I think you have to find mechanisms and ways to handle fear. If it's through prayer or if it's through hobbies of, you know, exercise or running or whatever it is that you need to do to calm your mind and your fears, that's what you got to do. We all have them. And I think you probably would agree, though, that hardly any of them, if at all, have ever actually been as bad as what you thought they were going to be, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I don't know. When you, when you have a player turn pro on Christmas day. Um, it's pretty bad, but, but go there know, for but... a second, right? Because then what ended up happening, right? So in your mind on Christmas day, probably ruins Christmas, right? So, uh, it, it ruins Christmas. And then in your mind though, you put this fear in there, right? We're, we're not going to be as good. We just lost. I, I don't know anything about this person, but I assume your best player, if they're turning pro, uh, you lose my best player. We're not going to do well in the tournaments in the spring. We're not going to do well in NCAA, right? Build it, build it, build it. Here's why we're going to fail. But then you go back to, we're going to trust the process. We're going to show up every day. We're going to hit this many putts and this many chip shots and so on and so forth. 
right? And then you just put one foot in front of the other and then you end up what? You're the champions. So that fear on your Christmas day didn't blow up anywhere close to where you put it in your mind to be and why it ruined Christmas, right? And so that's the point, right? As I think so many people we talk to, whether they're sports people or business people, we get the, you know, the blessing to talk to these people every day is that it never is as bad in the moment. And so my point to always asking this is, so when we get the bad news, when we get that text message on Christmas day, it doesn't mean that you're going to be happy that you want the text, right? But it's how do we deal with it, right? Because it's going to happen again, right? You're going to get another text message, you collectively, anybody listening, right? We're going to get that text message. It's just how do we deal with it's it? So, no, it's, it's very true, though. You're very right. Every fear that I've really ever had, I can remember back, gosh, 11 years ago before I took this job, and I used to think, oh my gosh, I'm not ready to be the head coach. Like That's like my biggest fear is, oh my gosh, every decision will be on me. But then I got I got the job, and then you just you just go. You just do your thing and believe in yourself, and you're going to make mistakes along the way. But you just you just keep going. That's the most well, important thing. Well, you know, I. So who are your I mentors love, now? Love, I mean, how do you stay a student um, of the game? Reaching out to my old golf coach. His name is Greg Allen. He's actually at Vanderbilt now. He left Arizona a couple of years after I was done here. He's instrumental because he also is a, a he's a family man, strong Christian, and you know has had a lot of success at Vanderbilt. You know, I think other coaches, and then I, you know, I'll have to say my husband um, Jeff Ianello, who's a, an executive at SeatGeek. He, he keeps me very humble and he gives me absolutely some of the best advice I can ever have. You know, I think him being in the business world and seeing how issues are handled business-wise kind of can relate a little bit to a coach and sports side, you know, but, but really it's, um, I'm always asking for advice from multiple, multiple people. I don't really have just a, a select few. Um, I think one of my biggest um, attributes is that I have an assistant coach. His name is Derek Bradley. And I am not, I don't have an ego. Uh, I want, I want collaborative ideas. If I have, uh, if I have an idea, I, I run it by him. And I say, what do you think? And then if he has, I, I work together. Uh, we are a coaching staff. We are a team for the team. And I think that is one of the most important things that I've learned as a coaching staff, because it's so easy, I think, to have two coaches and try to almost kind of one up each other or have it out for each other or gain the control. But I think when you, you know, I, I don't have an ego where I'm, I don't know it all. And I want to continue to keep learning if it's from other coaches or if it's from other people in any aspect of life, I'm always learning. That's the most important thing. And you can never, you, you're always going to be surprised. There's always going to be somebody that you can learn from. That's right. And I think too, what you said earlier about the negative people in your life, just choosing to not be around it. Right. And I think if we get the positive uh, people work and, and you have the mindset that you can learn, right. Versus, Oh, I've got this. I'm the head coach. We just won the national championship. I got it. Right. As soon as you think you got it figured out, that's when it's over. Right. You're toast. I never am ever, ever, ever um, too scared to ask anybody for advice. Never. That's right. So um, talk to us about what you would go back and tell the Laura of, you know, maybe 10, 10 years ago. What would you tell that young professional? Uh, what would you tell her? Oh, I would, I would tell her now, now that I've been coaching for 11 years, I'd say stay true to who you are. Um, don't change your values because you have a star player. Don't change who you are. You stay the course. You know who you are. Keep your values and stick to them because it's so easy, I think, you know, when, you, when you're when you young in your profession to make mistakes because you, 
you swayed on your value system a little bit, but I think you have to just trust, trust yourself and trust that you're, that you know what you're doing and that you know your value system and just go from there. Cause it's so hard to sometimes trust yourself. It really, really is. But it's at the end of the day, this year is the perfect time, the perfect example, how I finally didn't care about team results. And I was just going to make sure that my young women on my team were doing the right thing, being the best versions of themselves. And look, we won. Where maybe my years previously, maybe I let some of my players slide with some bad behavior. Where in my heart, I knew I should have nipped it in the bud. But I wasn't strong enough as a coach to really handle the situation. But now that I'm a little older, a little bit more seasoned, I'm confident in being okay with you know, suffering the lack of results for making sure you're doing the right thing. That's a big deal. It's a very big deal. So what are the dreams? What's, what's next? You, uh, obviously we want to keep winning NCAA titles. I get that. Um, but what's next for you? I'm just got off a a recruiting phone call about five minutes before I I called you. And I think, you know, you just stay the course, keep going after the best kids. I'm going to continue coaching and, um, Really, you haven't earned anything until you've won two national championships, I think. So I, I got I to work on that. No, no. But just, yeah, you got more to go, right? Right. But just, I'm just going to keep enjoying coaching. I've got two young daughters, keep raising them with my wonderful husband and just living the dream. And I think most importantly is being happy, being happy with who you work with, being happy at home, making sure you're doing the right things and teaching the right things. Well, Laura, this has been awesome. I could go on for hours just knowing you as well as I do. And I've had an absolute blast having you on the Circuit of Success podcast. And I know our listeners got a ton of value out of it. Well, thank you, Brett. I appreciate it. And I'm, you know, I think I'm, I'm a big success because I was also got to grow up with people like you who also strive for such great success. And your family has been so wonderful to me. And I just, I love you guys. So thank you. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.